We are back for another episode of the DBSA Wellness Wheel podcast. For you first-time listeners, the Wellness Wheel podcast is a monthly podcast Maria and I create as a companion to the DBSA's Wellness Wheel. In this podcast, we will explore each area of the Wellness Wheel and interview an expert on the subject. And today, we are going to talk about financial wellness. Oh, Maria. (laughs) Um, Remember how we thought the physical one was bad uh, or challenging? This this might take the cake. I bookmarked this as going to be a challenging one for sure but I think we'll learn a lot and I know I have a lot to learn in this area so I'm looking forward to talking to our expert later yeah me too me too but what does financial wellness even mean um well we're here to tell our listeners financial wellness involves learning how to manage expenses yes and wellness in this area also means considering spending and saving habits so on that do you have a budget, Hannah? Um, a loose budget. <laughs> I have definitely um, thought about times where I needed to lock in more of a, a budget and follow it, but it's something I'm a little bit avoidant about. And I think it's because if I were to create that budget, I would have to, you know, have some ownership <laughs> there and follow it. Follow it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a budget? I also have a loose, um, sometime tethered, sometimes not to my actual spending. Um, I have about a million Google spreadsheets where I've started, um, budgets and did not finish, but I will say that I think I get inspired to do them when I'm looking to, like, if I'm looking at a new apartment and it's more expensive, I have to actually go through and see where my money is going. And uh, I'm always dismayed with my spending, but, um, but yeah, so no, not a, not a regular budget and um, not one that I follow. So I think the long-term, I guess what I was speaking to is some long-term or uh, changes in my life. Um, If I'm like, I just bought a car and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just financed a car. Um, I think that, I don't know, again, that's, that's where I go to my, I have to look at what I'm doing. Um, but I, I'll tell you, it was, uh, since I haven't had a car expense in uh, over 10 years, that was, I, you know, I came home and I parked it <laughs> in the spot and I left it there. I didn't even drive the next day because I kept uh, freaking out about spending the money. So, um, that can't be, can't be financial wellness. Um, so yeah, do you have like long-term goals or things that you're saving for? I wish I was better about that. And, you know, I feel like every paycheck I say, I'm going to set aside this amount, but that will oscillate, you know, based on like other things that I need. Like currently my savings should be a travel fund Um, (laughs) because obviously we can't travel this year. So one of the goals that I have is is saving to do a really nice trip next year, potentially. So there's a plan around that. But um, yeah, again, my consistency with savings can be challenging, you know, like a birthday can come up and that might change the month for me or 
you know, thinking about the next coming months, the holidays are coming out, right? Coming up, so uh, oh. you know, yeah. And now we'll be spending a lot of money on shipping costs. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that'll oh, yeah, since yeah. we won't do um, travel. Maybe that'll balance out. Mm-hmm. But well, and I will say say this: one of the reasons um, I justified getting a car was I was spending so much money on delivery costs, grocery delivery. I don't have um, good grocery shopping in a walking distance. So um, that was part of it. The other part was uh, I quit smoking. So, you know, now I know. Thank you. It's been very difficult lately. Thank you. Um, And now, so I, you know, the, I'm not feeling a crunch because, uh, you know, two, two things subtracted from what I was spending money on and now it's going towards a car, but um, you know, I don't know after COVID is over, we'll see what happens. But uh, whenever that day is, um, but yeah, I think other, and you know, maybe we'll talk to uh, our expert about that later about how our mental health and um, just in general, how, the world is right now, what we're spending on versus what we were spending on and how have budgets changed. And yeah. um, and as we've mentioned in other podcasts, um, spending money, you know, mental health, um, spending money to, to try to manage anxiety. Yeah, and, as uh, a coping mechanism, I definitely yes. do that. Yeah, For and sure. there's an, another objective listed here uh, on the wellness wheel. Um, planning for periods where expenses may be higher. I feel like that's one of my biggest challenges. And I think it's hard to know. And like, we're in a very weird landscape financially for the whole country. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, while people who live with depression bipolar, obviously are going to come into certain issues for me with depression, it can be comfort spending, you know, spending to make myself feel better instantly. But yeah, you know, there's a lot of challenges, uh, you know, when mental health symptoms are getting in the way that we think about our money. And then we're also living through COVID right now. So hopefully Mm -hmm. our expert will kind of be able to speak to small steps we can take. I feel like at the end of each podcast, we always kind of learn it's usually small incremental changes that help. Yep. Yeah, I will say, um, I don't, I've, I feel like I've gotten better, you know, not to kick myself totally on financial wellness, but over the years, I've gotten better at not being um, avoidant with um, my bills. And, uh, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have enough money, um, this hasn't happened in a while, which which says something, but you know, if I'm not able to pay rent on time to actually talk to my landlord before I let a mm-hmm. month go by. So I, I know that's, that's part of it as well, dealing with it. My student loans, um, the fact that I still have student loans is, there's a lot of resentment for that and working through resentment and mental health. Um, and that's you know. coming from a, a, a Gen X or the millennials. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a huge uh, it's a huge burden and challenge, and it is more challenging during a time like this when you might want to be planning for periods 
yeah. that might have more difficulty. But yeah, I think the the best things paying bills on time is is an area is a prompt in the wellness wheel that um I, I do feel good about. So I won't completely bash myself. Yeah, yeah. But the auto pay is really the key to that. <laughs> those, those auto pays. Um, the auto pay and the email reminder that it's about to come out. Um, right. That's yes. also helpful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Remember the days, you may not remember the days where you actually sent a check in a mail, in the mail. Um, you had to get stamps and everything, Hannah. It was terrible. <laughs> I think I might have like three checks that I left I got one set of checks you know um uh-huh. never got through any of them the only person I would pay with checks is my therapist um the copay <laughs> yeah yeah but like my parents yeah I wouldn't know how to how to balance a checkbook necessarily if I, finances has have changed too I think from yeah. that long form but I wonder too like tips that we could use to help optimize that like should we be keeping you know, like long form or, you know, how, what's the best way to manage that digitally? I know there are like apps and, and different things. I just wonder what folks use to manage. You, you've started all those, uh, those Google spreadsheets. I have a couple of those too. Google's probably laughing at all of us for having these um, budget spreadsheets. Uh, yeah. They use. So, well, I don't know. I'm looking forward to talking to, um, Dr. Thomas Richardson, uh, he is he lives with uh, bipolar disorder himself, and he has he is passionate about financial wellness, which I will I don't understand, but um, I very much appreciate. So I am looking forward to talking to him. I bet you are too. Yeah, very much so. Getting some good tips, so we can. Maybe move forward on this area. Maybe 2021, we'll have a better budget for both of us. Maybe. Uh, No promises, listeners, but um, we're working on it. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's bring our expert in then. Dr. Thomas Richardson is a clinical psychologist working in a community mental health team for adults in Solent NHS Trust in Portsmouth, UK. He is an active researcher and is a visiting academic at the School of Psychology, University of Southampton. He also has lived experience of bipolar disorder. Hi, Dr. Richardson. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So I'm so interested in your background being a researcher around um, financial health and mental health. Um, so I'm wondering how you got into this field of study. Yeah, good question. So it's something that I kind of almost fell into a little bit by accident. Um, so when I was training to be a clinical psychologist a few years ago, in the UK, the government were talking about increasing tuition fees for students. So we're talking about literally, you know, a tripling of tuition fees and a doubling amount of student debt just from one year to the next. And there were lots of debates on the TV, on the radio, in the press about whether or not this was a good thing. And what kind of got me a little bit annoyed was no one was talking about the impact on mental health that it might have. When I knew that there was research, not surprisingly, showing that high levels of student debt was linked to poorer mental health. So 
I wrote a letter to like a, a little journal just saying, you know, is this something we need to talk about? Someone got in touch with me and said, let's put that to the test. Um, and that became my doctorate thesis was about the impact of that increase on tuition fees on students' mental health in the UK. Um, after I qualified and I'm working as a, as a clinical psychologist and mental health team, I then kind of applied it more to specific kind of uh, mental health problems, bipolar disorder in particular, because when I was looking through all the research for my um, thesis, I realized there wasn't actually anything looking directly at like the amount of relationship between debt and mental health and bipolar disorder. When, you know, we all know anecdotally as clinicians that when people are manic, they, they might spend more. And I, I knew from my own personal experience uh, that impulsive spending was definitely part of when I was unwell, when I was 18. So I wanted to try and work out a little bit about how much this applies to bipolar disorder specifically. I'm trying to get into the you know psychology of it and why impulse spending might be related to it and trying to really understand. Well, you couldn't have steered us into a better way to ask this question is uh, what is the relationship between mood disorders and financial wellness? Are there differences in each diagnosis? I love that you just mentioned, you know, when you were in college or when you were 18 and and you know how to manage this. I was the exact same way, um, very impulsive. Uh, or for me, I was impulsive and yeah, if I could go back then. So can you talk a little bit about the relationship? Yeah, of course. So people with depression are around sort of twice as likely to be in problem debt um, or looking at the other way, you know, those who have problem debt are twice as likely to be depressed when you look mm -hmm. at all the research combined. And that's one of the kind of classic chicken and egg questions, which is often a little bit difficult in this research. Um, is that which one comes first um, but certainly some of the research I've done with students has shown that it does appear that there's this relationship between poor mental health over time so you know struggling to pay the bills struggling financially does appear to worsen you know symptoms of poor mental health depression but definitely it works both ways you know I think that's a really important thing to get across is that sadly it can become a vicious cycle yeah. So in terms of the differences between depression and bipolar disorder, I think, so I, I did some research with people with bipolar disorder and it was, part of it was looking at people four months apart and looking at what financial problems and what mental health problems, what psychological variables kind of related to one another four months later. But we also did qualitative where we interviewed people just quite openly about what they thought the relationship was between their mental health and money. And I think what, one of the themes that comes up probably, you probably see in people who are prone to depression, people who are prone, prone to depression within bipolar disorder is comfort spending. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are talking about, you know, buying themselves nice things when they're feeling down or when they're feeling anxious to try and make them feel better. Um, it might end up backfiring because then they often reported that they feel quite guilty after it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, another thing is, you know, when you're depressed, it it's easy to avoid a lot of stuff, isn't it? It's easy to avoid, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to get up and it's easy to avoid kind of social situations. And, you know, that was another thing we identified is that avoiding finances is something that you do when you're depressed. And people said they sometimes just kind of ignore the bills, they let them pile up and then chuck them in the bin. 
you know, it's very hard to talk about money at the best of times. And it, it's even yeah. harder if you're feeling very depressed. So people often sort of really avoid it and shut themselves away. I think what the difference is from my research is showing probably, probably for bipolar disorder is that uh, this impulsive spending when people are manic. So it, it, it happened when people are depressed as well, you know, like this comfort spending. Um, but one of the things we found is that it's really very kind of goal focus and achievement driven. Um, I think there's this idea that a lot of people have that when you buy stuff with, when you're unwell, it's kind of very just like impulse, like random. And, you know, there's no, you just buy kind of, oh, look, you know, that's shiny, I'll buy that. Like a magpie, you just buy whatever looks nice. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. Um, and we all know when people are manic, we often have big ideas, grand schemes about setting up a business or helping people or something to do with work. And I think often it actually fits into that bigger plan. So, you know, we actually found evidence that struggling to pay the bills at the start of the study predicted more compulsive spending four months later. Which, you know, on the face of it doesn't make a lot of sense, but actually when you think of it, it kind of does. I think what happens is that basically people are struggling to pay the bills and they come up with like a a big goal to make money, dig themselves up this financial hole and that increases their mood and makes them a bit hypermanic and a bit impulsive and spending might be part of that. That from my own experiences when I was 18, uh, the, the day before I went into hospital, uh, I went and bought, you know, like djembes, the, like the big African drums. Um, oh, wow. I bought like five of them oh, at once. Oh, boy. And, and I know on the face of it, that, that seems like what, that's just completely random. Everyone kind of assumed I just walked by, saw, saw them, and like, yeah, I'll have those. And yeah, it was impulsive, but it fitted into a much bigger plan I had of a very manic, unrealistic idea of setting up a business which included a recording studio and this and that so Mm. in my head it was part of a bigger plan and it fitted into this whole business idea almost productive you were actually being productive at that time well i thought i was that's what i mean (laughs) it was it was for it was for a goal it was for a purpose it wasn't yep in my head it wasn't completely random but i appreciate from other people's perspective and one of the things that also surprised me about bipolar disorder specifically was um, excessive generosity. It's been really yeah. generous to other people. Mm. I hadn't expected that, but people were saying about how when they're manic, they gave thousands of pounds away to charity yeah. or um, showered their loved ones with gifts. And there's a kind of a whole cycle we developed where you kind of, um, people, you know, spent money, overspent, felt very guilty about that and worried about kind of, oh, you know, my family's not going to appreciate me. They're going to really be annoyed with me. And so the way they kind of compensated for that was trying to shower them with gifts or take them out for nice meals. So obviously, you know, it becomes a vicious cycle. So actually often it's it's about other people. It's about trying to help people. Well, it sounds like the title of this podcast should be Vicious Cycle because we keep bringing it up. (laughs) I I love that. I think that's, yeah. that's my job. It, I often mm-hmm. say to people, I feel like my job as a psychologist is often just mapping out people's vicious cycles and yeah. trying to work out some simple yeah. ways to try and break them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what you're, what you're bringing up is so important, just that, you know, sometimes this 
you know, as someone who lives with depression myself, like obviously I place a lot of the blame, all the blame. Um, but it, I like that you bring up, you know, that this is kind of a two-way street that like, you know, the managing of finances can cause, you know, difficult feelings. Um, and I think just financial wellness can feel intimidating if you are in a place where you don't want to get out of bed and open your bills. Um, and I'm just wondering how might someone try to begin to navigate this area and, you know, lighten up something that feels so heavy, you know, we can self stigmatize so hard in this space, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the really important thing, first of all, is just to talk about it with anyone, um, whether that's with family or friends, because it's hard to talk about money. And sometimes people are quite ashamed of what they've done, ashamed that they've gambled or ashamed that they've bought all these impulsive stuff that they don't really need. But just talking about that helps. Because it's very easy just to kind of, you know, bottle it up and keep it to yourself. Um, but what some of the research I've done has shown that actually what t what turns money problems into depression is A, hope, uh, hopelessness, and B, shame. So actually that's what turns money problems is when you feel really hopeless that things will change and you feel really ashamed. So talking to people helps counteract that shame, you know, because you can know that actually you're not alone with it, you know, COVID at the moment. Sadly, you're not alone with struggling financially. Lots of people are. So actually trying to counteract that guilt and that shame by just knowing that actually a lot of people are struggling to pay the bills right now. And that's, you know, that's okay. It's not necessarily something you need to beat yourself up about. Um, but the talk about it, definitely. And try to get help. I mean, I'm not sure what the setup is in the US, but in the UK, we have, you know, various charities that you can ring up and they can give you advice about budgeting or needing to, you know, repaying debts that you feel are unmanageable. So anything like that, that just makes you feel a little bit more hopeful, you know, again, that's really going to improve, make you feel a little bit more in control of it. Um, so yeah, trying to get some kind of help, both in terms of your mental health where you can and your finances, because, it's a vicious circle, right? So you're not going to get too far just by tackling one. You know, it's about trying to tackle these things together as much as possible. I can't think of any organizations right now here in the U.S., but I, I know I've heard about them. So after this podcast, we will look up some of those organizations and, and put links in the um, in the, the description of this. But I love, I love hearing you say, talk about it. Um, that was one of the ways I, I can't even talk about a situation that I kept myself in for years and um, I lost thousands of dollars because of it. Yeah. So uh, without getting into detail, it was, but I, cause I didn't want to talk about it. I had so much shame around this. And uh, yeah, once I actually did start talking, someone said, Oh, you just, you, you talk to an accountant about this one certain thing and, uh, oh, yeah. so, um, uh, you know, yes, nobody's in this alone and everybody, even if someone doesn't live um, with a mood disorder or you wouldn't think that um, they have financial problems, <laughs> there's a great chance that they're going to know something or have been through something similar. I mean, the, in the same way that um, you don't think, uh, 
as many people live with a mental health condition as they do. Once you start talking about it, oh, myself, oh, my aunt, you know, there's, there's, we're all connected to this in, in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And so knowing that you're not alone with it just really helps you maybe feel a little bit more confident and reduces some of that you know, shame that's not warranted. Um, you know, if you're able to talk to someone about all the stuff you've bought, it's probably going to be a bit easier to, you know, maybe take some of that stuff back that you don't need. Yeah. And that's one of the things people report. I bought buy all the stuff I don't need, but I just feel too ashamed to take it back. So if you can actually try and get someone to help you, then it's going to be easier. So any small steps, you know, don't try and face it all at once. It's about, you know, trying to slowly but surely just try and be a bit more active in how you're coping with your finances, you know, reverse that avoidance that it's easy to fall into. So you've got, you've got 10 bills you need to sort out and you haven't opened them in the post. Fine. Work with one, open one, congratulate yourself. Good work. <laughs> you know, when you've done that, try to do a couple more and just, you know, any little small steps like that. They're just really yeah. helpful to try and break that vicious cycle. <laughs> Um, yeah, the other uh, pattern that we keep hearing throughout these podcasts is small steps, small steps. And it's so good to get that reminder all the time because it's so easy to forget that you yeah. really, really do congratulate yourself for that, um, that one bill that you opened because uh, that's, that's a, you're further along than you were two minutes ago. So agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm wondering... You know, I we've we talked about certain you know not opening bills, um, comfort shopping. Um, how how might someone else? Uh, what are what are warning signs or um, what would you notice if finances were impacting mental health or or vice versa? Yeah. So I think if you are starting to worry a lot more about money than you usually would, you know, most of us have money worries at some time but when you feel like you are really preoccupied with it and you're you know what i'd call ruminating where you're just kind of stewing over it in your head over and over worrying a lot you know leaving sleep over it you losing sleep over it um that's i think a sign that it's really starting to impact you um if you're starting to uh, lose some of those more helpful habits so you're, you're not kind of checking your bank balance you're not opening the bills or um you're not kind of sticking to the usual budget you are. You're kind of letting that go out the window and, you know, kind of avoiding that. That's definitely something I think you need to be aware of. Um, and in terms of the impulse of spending, I think trying to be aware of if you're spending a little bit more than usual, but also if you're spending patterns of change, you know. So like mm -hmm. I said about there's often a theme, I think people who have been prone to kind of impulsive spending when manic will know that they buy particular things and usually it will go back to a similar thing. So it might be buying clothes or it might be buying musical instruments. Um, so having a kind of just trying to be aware of if you're buying a little bit more than usual, that might be helpful as well. Um, and it's, it is difficult, isn't it? Because the whole, this is something I, that really gets to me is that the, um, all of technology is making things easier to impulsively spend, right? Um, I did just a, a, a Twitter poll a week or so ago about do you feel like technology like apps and um, contactless is making it easier or harder to impulse spend and 80% of people I think said it's easier because you, you can just do it impulsively you can 
you know, websites remember your card details, so you don't have to remember them. So it's just, it's very easy to spend too much when you're feeling quite high and impulsive. So trying to kind of put some practical, simple barriers in front of that is, is a useful idea. You know, maybe just take cash out rather than taking out a card where you can kind of spend more than you've planned. Um, don't let the websites remember your card details. Because if you, you know, if you have to go, um, if you have to go find your card and put in all the details, by the time you've done that, you might realize what am I doing here? Mm. So positive friction, I'm trying to make it a little bit harder. Do you say positive friction? Yeah, positive friction. I mean, it's a term that's been used here in the UK where some banks have introduced uh, blocks for gambling where you can actually just like put on a block. But the friction being that you have to wait sort of 48 hours to turn it off. Mm. Um, so, you know, I always talk about sur surfing the urge, urge surfing, you know, and the urge to spend, you can surf that urge um, by just putting distance. You know, there's apps you can get where you can only um, open your money in a particular geographical location. And there's a thing you can install on your web browser called Icebox, where it replaces a basket with just a block of ice. So you have to pause and you can't buy it for an hour. Um, and mindfulness is something that's really helpful for the urge surfing as well. I know mindfulness has talked a lot about these days, but the research I did with bipolar disorder, we actually found that people who were not particularly mindful were more prone to impulse spending. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is something that can really help you maybe being aware of those urges to spend um, and try and ride them out rather than act on them. And mindfulness can also really be useful when you find yourself just ruminating and worrying a lot about money. All excellent advice. And I feel like, you know, there are definitely steps, um, as you mentioned, that you can take to kind of safeguard, make things less automated, um, make things a little bit um, more manageable. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts around, um, you know, there's obviously these kind of safeguards we can put in place to make our finances not as um, accessible. Uh, but I'm wondering if you have any ideas around, um, I, I love that you mentioned mindfulness, what steps might we take in terms of, you know, after a difficult period, like what might we think about in terms of our mental health that could ultimately improve, you know, a, avoidant behavior around bills or impulsive um, kind of coping spending to feel better? Yeah, so I think kind of, as I've said before, just trying to talk about it and try and get whatever help you can kind of early, you know, really try and nip it in the bud to stop things um, escalating. After there's like a crisis where you might have spent too much, you know, one of the, the research showed that people's mood sometimes crashes when they kind of realize. So anything you can do to try and reduce the impact, like, yeah, like I said, trying to take back stuff that you don't need to buy or um, I don't know what it's like about in the US, but in the UK, actually, if you inform a bank that you have mental health problems and that's related to your money, they, they do have to take that into account, you know. Yeah. Um, so trying to just kind of take those small steps, talk about it, um, ask for help as much as you can. And, you know, just, just trying to make a, a plan for kind of a, a budget, trying to stick to it. I know it's boring. I know none of us like doing it, but it, it just helps you feel a little bit more on track and it will increase that hope. And I think 
what's really important as well is um you know when when we're down it's easy to stop doing the things that give us a sense of enjoyment and pleasure you know especially if you're in a crisis and you're really depressed you know we stop going out we stop seeing friends and you know that's hard because of covid at the moment anyway isn't it um but when, when there's money in the picture it, it doubly makes it hard because you know the usual things you might do to just make yourself feel good like you know going to the shops or meeting your friend in a restaurant or whatever it is are harder financially so i would say really just trying to think about like what can i do that just makes me feel good and boosts my mood a bit that doesn't involve spending you know it doesn't not everything involves it you can you know can i have my friend over for lunch rather than going to the restaurant can i go for a walk in the park rather than you know meeting my friend in this place um so just anything like that just that, that will make you feel more connected with people and just give you a little bit of a mood but doesn't require a big bank bank balances um really important how can i be a good friend even if i'm really struggling financially and what can I do that's nice for my kids, even if I've got to really watch what I'm spending at the moment? Yeah, and you mentioned um, earlier in the podcast, because um, Hannah and I wanted to ask you, you know, a around COVID, that's the situation we're in right now. And um, a lot of people are struggling with finances, as you you mentioned earlier, um, and, and also the uh, causing mental health symptoms. And for some people, causing mental health symptoms for the first time. Do you have any thoughts around um, how someone might manage that? You know, if they catch it, you know, that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm spending more or um, I'm, I'm not sticking to a budget. Do you have thoughts on how to uh, navigate that? I guess, you know, you mentioned the urge surfing, um, but yeah. for someone who's yeah. experiencing this for the first time, what might you tell them? Well, I, I think the first thing to say is just, you know, it it is okay to struggle mental health-wise because of finances. You know, like I said, you're not alone. And the research I did looking at all the papers to combine is actually you're three times more likely to have a mental health problem if you're in debt. So just knowing that it, it, it doesn't mean, it's not a sign of weakness or anything. It is just, it can have a really big impact. And I think the, the really difficult thing about COVID in terms of our mental health and finances is that you know i think a it was very sudden so it is a real shock to the system because it all happened very quickly didn't it um mm -hmm. uh, it's very uncertain and unfortunately sort of uncertainty and anxiety are, are, are best friends um and it is very much out of our control isn't it it's completely out of our hands to an extent you know um so all of those things do mean it's harder so like i said for anything you do to try and get some sense of control you know what can i control about my financial situation okay i can control what i'm spending on this i might not be able to change my income at the moment but i'm wondering if i can just really prioritize what i'm spending that kind of thing um and in terms of the uncertainty i, I really think at the moment it is just trying to take it kind of day by day week by week month by month um it's, it's very understandable to worry about the long term financial effects and how that's going to impact you i think again it's just sort of reminding yourself about okay i don't know where i'm going to be in six months time um and is it helpful for me to spend three hours a day worrying about this you know is this going to be helpful should i actually just try and have a bit of time of the day where i try and think about my finances and then go right i'm leaving it for today 
Now I'm going to go and spend time with my kids. Now I'm going to mm. focus on my hobbies. And again, that's where I think mindfulness can come in because our minds are going to be racing with people and worrying about all this uncertainty and just taking some time out, out of your own mind, just to focus on what's going on here and now um, in the present moment. It just might help take a little bit of the sting out. Um, is there anything else that you want to uh, leave our audience with before we before we wrap this up? I, I will just say a bit of a plug where I work in certain NHS trust. We've done some mindfulness exercises. We've we've got a load of them on YouTube, which are free for anyone to use. So if anyone does want to learn a little bit about mindfulness, um, you can search for mindfulness exercises for everyday life. I know on YouTube. That is perfect. Um, thank you so much for joining us today during a difficult time and with a very difficult subject uh, and, and putting it in, in plain terms and some, some really useful um, reminders or first time steps for, for managing this area. You're welcome. Thank you for having me and all the best to you and your listeners. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Richardson. Cheers.